between us in a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 24th of August 2009. Newcomers, I always suggest you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, bookmark the other sites I have on that front page because once in a while, and it happened at the weekend, in fact, Yahoo, uh, my site at least, when Yahoo went down. So hopefully if you bookmark the other sites, you can get the latest audios from one of the alternate ones. There's cuttingthrough.jenkins.com. That's a very dependable site to go into. And it's good to spread these out too when you download. If you find they're sticking or something, it's because too many people are coming in at the same time trying to download. So you can choose from one of these, cuttingthrough.jenkins.com, cuttingthroughthematrix.net, cuttingthroughthematrix.us, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. There's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. And there's also Alan Watt Sentinel.eu, which is the European site. And the European site has the same audios and also has written transcripts of some of these talks written in the various languages of Europe, which you can download for print-up and pass around. I always start off by, by reminding the people out there that this is one of the few shows out there, maybe the only one, I don't know, uh, where the listeners bring uh, the host to them by either buying what he has for sale on his website, the books, etc., discs, etc., or donating to me to keep me going because this is a seven-day-a-week uh, uh, full-time. I don't call it a job. It's, it's, it's beyond a job. It's not a business either, but it does take cash to keep it going, and there's always expenses, always expenses. I live in the country, and um, just recently the satellite went down. It's, it's not an old satellite disher and system, but, um, of course, the guarantee was up, doesn't last long, and that lightened my wallet by quite some, it's quite, quite some uh, few hundred a buck, a few hundred dollars. And there's more to come, obviously. Plus, all these sites I have up, too, uh, is another thing as well. So, it's, it's a great thing if you can keep me going by donating, and you'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com website or any of the sites. There's PayPal buttons on them. You can also use personal checks within the U.S. and Canada. Uh, outside the Americas, you can use MoneyGram. I think that goes through post offices and so on in little stores. But there's also Western Union, or, or some people just send cash, and that gets to me just the same way. For those who get the discs of the shows burned and passed to them because they don't like using computers, they play them on their CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P, as in Peter, the number 3, E, as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N, as in Nora, and the number 1. T3E4N1. The reason that I do this, as I say, is because when you understand so much through studying for many, many years... And understanding throughout your life what's really going on, and you follow what's going on, and you also know that those around you are, are usually oblivious to what's truly happening. They have no interest in really knowing the, the whys of things. 
why things move, why things move in the world, why um, big powerful people um, have international organizations, private organizations that advise or tell governments what to do. And I think we're, we're way beyond that step now. I think they simply place their own bodies right into government. And there's lots of documentation on that too. But um, when I realized that we're at this level, this stage of it, I had to come out and start talking because it's the last chance we've got. What's happening now is World War Three, and it's a hell on earth that's coming down right now. Back with more after these messages. Alan Watt when we're cutting through the matrix. As I said at the beginning of the show, I wasn't sure if people were even ready to listen to what I had to say or would be even interested in what I had to say because I'd listened to alternate radio for quite some time, often called the Patriot Movement, and I found that it was the same stuff over and over year after year whenever you tuned in. And they were really localized. They were naval gazers. They were looking inwards and they didn't see the big picture of what was happening across the whole planet because this is a, a world war. And every country over the, over the about 100 years or more has been taken over completely by a, a different system, a system, uh, you might call it a brotherhood if you want, um, that Carl Quigley said, comprised of bankers, international bankers, not the little characters that you go and ask for a loan from, but the big boys that countries go and ask for loans. Prime ministers and presidents go and get loans from them. And apart from that, their spin-off, you might say, which they also own, really, are the international corporations. And how, from Darwin, at least onwards, I'm sure it was in existence before Darwin, but from Darwin onwards, they, they decided they were the most superior types on the planet that had somehow evolved by special selective breeding, picking their mates or having their mates picked for them for, for certain qualities. And, uh, and, and therefore, up until this present time, uh, they are the perfect breed to rule the world. And they also say that democracy is just too messy, too many conflicting sides. They can't get their job done. So they created a parallel government, if you will. Now, everything in this world runs on this thing called money. Money is the, is the curse, because I don't care who's in charge of it, it's always going to be corrupted. But it's, it's always really been corrupted. But it's been corrupted and held by the same few done through centuries, really. And um, they've even put front men out there like Soros and built him into another sort of big type of banker, philanthropist type. But Rothschild really set him up. So they set up front bankers as well to do the legwork and to, to do the so-called philanthropy, uh, which is really just the setting up of foundations to promote non-governmental organizations, which they set up to, and they pretend to demand from governments on behalf of the people. That's how the Soviet system operated, at least on paper. And... This is the world they're bringing in. It's, it's the, in this world, your numbers, we're all numbers. There's only them at the top, you see, and then there's the masses below. In between that, they have 
technocrats, bureaucrats, etc., and police, military to stand over the people, and and they don't even humour you anymore. We're, we're in a stage now where they use the big stick, and we've seen that. We've been getting trained that way over the years, uh, as we get uh, taser incident after incident, and nothing happens to those that use the guns. Uh, a taser, remember, is a cattle prod on wires. So we are the cattle, and we're being trained uh, that this is normal. If you don't obey policemen, uh, instantly you get tasered, and that's the new that's the new type of service you've got. At one time, police services were called that police services, and local towns could hire and fire them. It will they could hire all, they could fire all the cops because they made they made contracts with them, and they simply fired them if they got out of hand, which they often did. But now, of course. Everything is becoming centralized. That's the key. That was the key to communism, centralization of governments, and standardization of all laws across countries, continents, and now through the United Nations, through the entire world. That's the whole idea of it. But, but the United Nations, as I say, is set up, was set up by the same people, the same bankers who started uh, the Lord Milner Group in London, England, uh, it merged with the Cecil Road Foundation and became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And in the United States, they created the Council on Foreign Relations. Professor Carl quickly said there hasn't been a president since about the late 1800s that was not a member. doesn't matter what party. He says, says we always put the, the, our guys in at the top of all parties. And it's the same right down to the present day. Obama, too, admits that he has spoken quite a few times at the CFR. Well, you can't get to speak at the CFR unless you are a member. And yet he's up there on YouTube admitting to that. He says, well, I've spoken a few times. I don't know if I'm a member or not. You can't apply for membership. You're asked in once you've been thoroughly you know, investigated and they know what kind of yes man you are. And their goal is to bring in a society that really was talked about by Plato thousands of years ago in his book, The Republic, an ordered society where the natural elite would rule the guardian class, they called them. And next to the guardian class, they'd have the outer circle of helpers, and we, we call them bureaucrats and governments, etc. today. Uh, then it's all the masses down below. Plato called them the its. They were the its. They weren't really people who were its, you see. You don't be, be a person if you were conscious, uh, but the, those who were the its had no education whatsoever. They didn't know what was going on. And Plato wanted to breed them as stock uh, and perfect their breeding as workers. He even talked about how you could get tall men married with tall women and they could do certain jobs. Short guys uh, with short women would be great miners, that kind of thing, short, stocky guys. So using the techniques of animal husbandry, they planned to use this. This re-emerged openly with the Rockefeller Foundation and Cold Spring Harbor as well, the Eugenics Foundation, where they wanted, they brought in the Cattlemen's Association to advise them on, to, on how to breed people the same way as cattle, breed out certain traits, breed in certain traits. Now, of course, they're using genetics, and that's why all your tax, a good chunk of your tax money, where it's not going to fight their wars across the world, goes 
into genetic research, not to cure diseases and so on, but actually to find ways of creating the perfect worker bee. That's what it's for. That's why all that money uh, it became a priority out of nowhere, genetical research. Very important. And since 9-11, as I say, 2001, they've used shock and awe, a, a, rolling, a rolling coaster of shock and awe. Uh, one crisis after another. We've had more crisis in the last few years than we've had in the last couple of hundred. It is one after another. And much of it is bogus, but it doesn't matter. It's not just to frighten you. It's to train you that something else is coming and to get you to simply obey new uh, strange ideas and possibilities. Get you to jump. That's what you do in the military when you get to soldiers. You train them just to obey orders and jump. You jump when you're told what to do. And that's what we're being taught as well. Now, when the towers were hit in 9-11, I said, I think it was that night or the next night on, on radio, I said that we're now in a full war scenario worldwide. I knew it. Because they talked about the century of change. And I looked up to the, I looked at the, all the lead-ups to it, all the things that were going on long before it. And they'd always said in their papers from the top, from the CFR and so on, they wanted to bring in a world government. So they published that in their own magazine, Foreign Affairs, it's called. They said they'd get round every other constitution uh, in every other country, and the one in the U.S. as well. They said they'd do an, a run around the constitution, just ignore it, in other words, and work around it. And um, they would bring in a new type of system of government. They call it governance. Governance. Governance is a system in which you simply obey whatever rules and laws are passed. And again, you jump to it. You do what you're told. But you've noticed all of the civil authorities, or the, I could call them bureaucratic authorities now, treat you like dirt. doesn't matter what department you go into. It's like the old Soviet Union. They hardly look up and see you or acknowledge you. You see, you're, you're simply one of the plebes out there. And they're the bosses. That even, is, that even goes for when you go to get a little sticker for your car tax so you can drive on the road. They hardly look up at you anymore. There's no more sir and yes and smiles and so on. What can I do for you? And it's the same with the police. They even have their own, their own versions of cops in Britain. <clears throat> a sort of reality show for the cops, which they all emulate. And they just bash people's doors down and so on. And you'll, but you also see them grabbing motorists and cursing and swearing at them. The cops are cursing and swearing at the drivers. That's what we have now. And yet they still have the, the gall to call themselves services. Services. Who were they serving? They serve and protect whom? Well, it's not the people. It's not the people. It's the system. And as the system changes, they will change with it and still serve it, no matter how totalitarian it becomes. Because even Stalin said the same thing long before him, Lenin said it too. We must bring police and military on board so they get the better paychecks, better food, and so on. That's what all totalitarian systems do. And they really go into creating the brotherhood bond until every, every member in a uniform sees everyone else in a uniform as their brother, literally their family. Everybody who's not wearing a uniform is inferior. It's that simple. And that's happened. But 
Lenin and Stalin also said that they have to bring in the, the, the teachers because the teachers are the ones who program the next generations and every generation. So they get the higher paychecks too, to be change agents, basically, and indoctrinate the latest policies into the children's heads. And they're quite happy to do it for that kind of money. I have talked to teachers myself, uh, and they look down at the ground when you point out what they're actually doing. They know that you're right, but they love that big, fat paycheck and their lovely pension at the end of it and so on, and all the drug plans, etc. Back with more after this break. Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. As I said earlier, when 9-11 happened, I just knew what was going to happen. A full war scenario would uh, unfold. And what you have in warfare, I explained at the time, is everyone in fear, everyone obeying governments and authorities, because that's what you do in times of warfare. And you, get, you have searches on roads, etc. But you also have rationing, that will come. And you have ID, etc. You might not, not even be allowed to travel outside certain areas. That will still come. And you have refugees on the road eventually. Now, all these things can be done through various means, through even the so-called coming pandemics. That's part of it, too. You see, there's different ways to achieve the same ends. And last week, they had uh, an international swine flu conference, a United Nations one, in Washington, D.C., with all the top CEOs, etc., politicians involved, and the, the emergency management response units, etc., across the country, attending it. And that was on from August the 19th, the 20th, and maybe even into the 21st. And uh, I'll put up this link for the PDF uh, at the end of the show on my website, International Swine Flu Conference. But it says, top leaders and key decision makers of major companies representing a broad range of industries will meet with distinguished scientists, public health officials, law enforcers, first responders, and other experts to discuss pandemic prevention, preparedness, response, and recovery at the first International Swine Flu Summit. So this is the first Swine Flu Summit. So that the summit attendees will be able to draw on first-hand and practices to create the solid business continuity plans that their companies and organizations need in order to prepare for, respond to, and survive a pandemic, right? Now, as you all know, this is, whatever flu is going around is probably the normal flu because it's, it's no worse than any previous flu. And it says here, the summit draws on the success of the seven previous bird flu summits. So they use the bird flu summits to build up their power you see, that's how they get power, by having more and more summits on a particular topic. But those, they've changed from the birds to the pigs, you see, and give themselves more authority every year as they get governments to, to sign over more authority to them and tax money to create more agencies, etc. It says here, uh, it, says it features such speakers as several distinguished personalities, such as Dr. David Nabarro, the United Nations Coordinator for Avian and Human Influenza. People have forgotten all about the avian flu. See, all these things were training exercises, getting the public scared and ready to listen to governments. Government has always had an awful 
time getting the public to just listen and obey them. Just listen. So to give you scary scenarios, everyone tunes into the news to hear what the scariest scenario is because they're terrified of their lives. So they use something like a bird flu. Before the bird flu, you know, we had the West Nile virus, remember? Before that, we had AIDS was going to wipe out the whole planet. Most of us should be dead by now. And then to say along came, came supposedly, so we were told, um, this, this um, West Nile virus. And governments and local governments even sent authorities out around rural areas and towns and cities as well, looking at gutters to see if it's standing water and finding people for this thing that simply disappeared by itself, if it even existed in the first place. But from all these scary scenarios, they give themselves more and more power and build up more agencies. That's the real reason. And I've explained before, uh, under all the laws of virology and medicine, this makes no sense at all because this incredible overreaction, massive overreaction to something that appears to be, if it exists at all, a mild flu. And, and that's mentioned, by the way, in, in, the, in the Houston Chronicles uh, paper by the, the governor of Texas. He says, he says that this flu is as mild as previous flus. So why this massive overreaction? And I'll put that link up from the, the Texas governor. But why are they doing this massive overreaction to get the whole world uh, under uh, the needle, basically? Why, why is this? Something stinks. And they also say it's because it's going to evolve into a killer. Now, again, in, in the, the whole teachings of virology and medicine, they can't predict. It's never been predicted before how something out of all the thousands of directions it could mutate into, they could never tell if something's going to become a killer. And if it did, all those injections that you're going to get will be useless because they're based on the mild flu, not a killer flu. The killer flu will have different genes attached to it to make it the killer. So why is this even happening? But it goes on about all the, the, the experts of the United Nations who attend uh, Alex Thurman of the World Organization for Animal Health was there too, and Dr. Wang Ying Zhang of the WHO, the World Health Organization Epidemic and Pandemic Alert and Response. So they, these are the guys who make their living off it. These are the guys who help they put the money in for the big advertising campaigns across the planet to scare the hell out of you. That, that's what it's for. Last night on a Korean television show on the news, uh, they had all the funny ads even that are put out there uh, using youngsters and rap and so on to try to get the message across uh, to get us all ready to voluntarily walk along and get ourselves jabbed. And they brought the, one of the World Health Organization experts on who, who says we're trying to use ads that shame the people, shame those who don't get the jab into taking it. So they're using psychology and lies to alter our behavior once again. Back with more on this after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Cutting 
through the matrix, talking about this swine flu conference, some of the topics they discussed were mass fatality management planning and national pandemic influence and medical countermeasures. There were all the biggies in there, uh, prevention, etc. Even right down to education and how they'd even evacuate schools into certain areas and, and the parents wouldn't be allowed to see the children and so on. And also, it says here, uh, prioritize antivirals and personal protective equipment for essential workforces, overcome reduced response capacity, etc., etc. Um, protect the Emergency Management Response Operations Center. Protect it. From whom? From the public. They, they expect massive riots because of food shortages. It says here, manage interruptions in food, fuel, and essential supply chains and establish stockpiles. So all the stuff that you'll, you'll want will already be grabbed by the agencies, you see. Well, that's to cause the panic. And it says, manage panic caused by sudden disruption of services and interruptions in essential goods and services, and on and on it goes. Astonishing. And they're calling these, these talks uh, that they had, the workshops, breakout sessions, breakout, concurrent breakouts, you see. That's so interesting, too, because the first movie they gave to the public, it wasn't the first one, it was one done, I think, in the 50s or 60s in the U.S. about, about uh, uh, plagues. But the first m movie that really started to get it into the conscious mind, and it was put out deliberately for this reason, was Outbreak. It was called Breakouts. Right? Breakout. That's just a coincidence, though, isn't it? Let's go, as I say, all these mass uh, fatality management plannings, so that's uh, how to get rid of all the bodies and how we deal with uh, morgues, etc., 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 and whole, a whole bunch for law enforcement agencies and um, how to protect police forces from falling ill and being hurt in civil disturbances. Everything through it is the civil disturbances. And uh, manage a surge in crime and meet routine requests at the same time. Control and diffuse social unrest and public disorder. That's very... I guess a wide base on how to control and diffuse social unrest, doesn't it? Public disorder. Isolate prisons and other facilities. Why would that be done? Why would that be done? Because a lot of them are empty, just waiting for people to get put in them. Now, they've taken away all exemptions for refusing the shot. The U.S. government passed some sort of rule or law, and it said it's to bypass all philosophical or religious reasons for refusing the shot. In other words, they're not going to put up with it. Uh, before, um, you could have certain physical ailments that would allow you not to take it, but you'd have to have proof as to what happened. For instance, if you had bad reactions to previous shots, you'd have to have the proof, uh, written proof, etc., by doctors or teams of doctors or specialists to prove, otherwise you're going to get the shot. Diabetics, too, can have some sort of leeway as well. But here's the other catch-22. If, if you don't get the shot, you're then put in to uh, quarantine. Don't you love democracy? You see, totalitarianism does not give you choices in anything. And I've got to remind, remind the people, too, if you haven't noticed over the many years that we've talked on the radio, we've watched totalitarianism creep into every facet of your life. Total information network, total information gathering, um, personality profiles, all mainstream, you know, week after week after week, how everything's 
watched and copied and kept for years all your data, every email, etc., and we still don't get what's really, really going on, you know. Now, they have everything about you out there. They even have, and I read it from their, their own um, uh, Pentagon article, where they have a double of you in a virtual reality sort of scenario where they put all of the information, create an artificial you in, in cyberspace, basically, and everyone else around you in your town, village, whatever, and who you talk to, and they try to make it as realistic as possible because it's all done by information gathering on you from hundreds of sources that you don't even realize you're using and all that information you don't realize you're giving out all the time because you must be predictable in a totalitarian society. Everyone must be predictable. It makes the ones at the top feel safer and better. They sleep better at night, even though they have lots of brandy and stuff. But it's not enough. Now, in other words, they're, they're into your entire life here. And there's only one thing left when they're trying to get into your mind and your head. And they're doing that too. As your body, if you honestly don't realize that it's the last bastion, when the government can say they can do what they want to your body, you are a slave. You are owned. You are a cow or a steer or a pig or a duck. You're an animal. It's the last right you have is a right to your body and what goes into it. And no one can force through any ideology or bogus science or big pharma with his big bucks backing these sellout politicians that are all in the payrolls to force this stuff into your, your, your body. Remember what Bertrand Russell said, by different means in psychology, indoctrination, scientific indoctrination, and the needle, the needle, he said, we shall achieve a docile society. Well, I think this needle will make you more than docile. When you look at who's advising every government across the Western world right now, you have guys who've been into eugenics, have written copiously about it, all of them, you have Crispin in Britain, who's talked openly about cutting the population of Britain by about three quarters. These are the guys who are in charge right now. It's no coincidence they're all in charge right now. John Holdren, uh, who wrote the book um, Ecoscience with, with uh, Ehrlich, about how they need to, to sterilize and bring down the population. They're all on board, and out comes this incredible overreaction that we must get shots for a, a pretty well a non-existent or very at least a very mild flu what's really going on here something stinks to high heaven stinks because there's no logic or medical logic to it at all your body is yours don't ever forget it don't ever forget that you have nothing left you have nothing left. That's it. The first thing I wanted to talk about tonight, too, was in Wise Up Journal. I'll put the link up there. But you have uh, 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 one of the top guys on the European Union Constitution talking about what it really means, this new, this new treaty that they've uh, signed up. It's a whole new European Union. And there's a video that Wise Up Journal has put up there. It's worth seeing, watching, that explains why this 
is if this treaty is signed, it's a whole new union, and it gives the European Union for the first time the same rights as a corporate uh, or, or body, in other words. In other words, it's a legal entity, and, it's, and, the, and this guy on the video goes through the different parts of the treaty, and it says that every, gov- every country under that union is now basically subservient, like a province, to the master that, that is the EU Parliament. And the EU Parliament's laws will override and supersede all other laws beneath them. It's rather quite, I mean, but it's not surprising. It was set up to do this in the first place. The European Union was brought in by stealth and lies. They set up, again, through the United Nations, uh, every government set up a bureaucracy to help integrate their own countries into this economic union, as it started off, supposedly, with the intent of bringing them into a government, a super government at the end of it, and they lied to the public year after year, decade after decade, and they admitted that once it was all over and the parliament was up and running. For the first time, they declassified the information from governments who who admitted that the public were not to know the real intent of the union until it was up and running. Same thing's happening with the amalgamation of the Americas, but they're also using the war scenario, the war on terror, which is a war of terror, a war of terror on the public of every country in the Americas. So, to say, at the end of the show, go into my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see the link for Wise Up Journal and watch the video. For those who don't know what's really, what this treaty is really all about. It supersedes all the other treaties. It's a new constitution. A new constitution. Altogether. They'll outline your rights and, and, and what you, your duties, your duties to the new state, the European state. Quite something. And I also put up, as I say, the Houston Chronicles with the flu preparations for, for Texas, where, where the governor admits, he says, this, this present flu is a mild flu. So why this massive overreaction to it? Why? What's really going on? As I say, it stinks to high heaven. Stinks to high heaven. And there's one next little article here that's in the Huffington Post, and it's by uh, uh, it's by it's actually by the publisher of Hustler magazine. Must be a business magazine, I guess, where they hustle for work. But it's by a guy called Flint, Larry Flint. But he says some darn good stuff in here. He says, the American government, which we once called our government, has been taken over by Wall Street, the mega corporations, and the super rich. They're the ones who decide our fate. It's this group of powerful elites, the people President Franklin D. Roosevelt called economic royalists, and Roosevelt should know because he was put in by them, who choose our elected officials, indeed our very form of government. Both Democrats and Republicans dance to the tune of their corporate masters. In America, corporations do not control government. In America, corporations are the governments. I've said that before. They just hop out of the CEO jobs into government and back into CEO jobs again. That's been going on forever. It says this was never more obvious than with the Wall Street bailout, where the very corporations that caused the collapse of our economy were rewarded with taxpayer dollars. So arrogant, so smug were they that... Without a moment's hesitation, they took our money, yours and mine, to pay their executives multi-million dollar bonuses, something they continue 
doing to this very day. And that's a fact. They're still doing it. It says they have no shame. They don't care what you think, and I think, or I think about them. Henry Kissinger refers to us, the people, as useless eaters. But, you say, we have elected a candidate of change, to which I respond, do these words of President Obama sound like change? This is what Obama said. A culture of irresponsibility took root from Wall Street to Washington to Main Street. There it is, right there. We are Main Street. We must, according to our president, share the blame. And that's true. That's what basically Obama was saying. It was the people's fault. He went on to say, and a regulatory regime basically crafted in the wake of 20th century economic crisis, the Great Depression, was overwhelmed by the speed, scope, and sophistication of a 21st century global economy. It says, and this is what um, Flint says, this is nonsense. The reason Wall Street was able to game the system the way it did, knowing that they would become rich at the expense of the American people, and he says, oh yes, they, they most certainly knew that, meaning in advance, was because the financial elite had bribed our legislators to roll back the protections enacted after the stock market crash of 1929. Congress gutted the, the Glass-Steagall Act, which separated commercial lending banks from investing banks and passed the Commodity Futures Modernization Act, which allowed for self-regulation with no oversight. The Securities and Exchange Commission subsequently revised its rules to allow for even less oversight, and we've all seen how well that works out. To date, no serious legislation has been offered by the Obama administration to correct these problems, and it won't happen. Because I've, I've said that before. <clears throat> the reason they haven't changed anything is so they can always use it again and again and again. Instead, Obama wants to increase the oversight power of the Federal Reserve, never mind that it already had significant oversight powers before a most recent economic meltdown, yet failed to take action. Never mind the fact that the Fed is not a government agency, but a cartel of private bankers that cannot be held accountable by Washington. Whatever the Fed does with these supposed new oversight powers will be behind closed doors. Obama's failure to act sends one message loud and clear. He cannot stand up to the powerful Wall Street interest that supplied the bulk of his campaign money for the 2008 election, nor, for that matter, can Congress for much the same reason. See, they're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all bought and paid for. Consider what multi-billionaire banker David Rockefeller wrote in 2002 memoirs. This is what he said. Some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. Read Rockefeller's words again, says Flint. He says he actually admits to working against the best interests of the United States. Need more? Here's what Rockefeller said in 1994 at a UN dinner. We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. They're gaming us. Our country has been stolen from us. This is what Flint says. They're gaming us. The country's been stolen from us. Journalist Matt Taby, writing in Rolling Stone magazine, notes that the esteemed economist John Kenneth Galbraith laid the 1929 crash at the feet of banking giant Goldman Sachs. TB goes on to say that Goldman Sachs has been behind every other economic downturn as well, including the most recent one. And if that wasn't enough, Goldman Sachs even had a hand in pushing gas prices up to $4 a gallon. 
That's true, that was in the news. The problem with bankers is long-standing. He's what one of the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, had to say about them. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issuance of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation, the banks and the corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. What's happening today? What's happening today? How did Jefferson know that? Because they already understood the history of what would be happening in Britain and other European countries. They knew it well. You see, the characters of the talk never change their techniques. Why would you change them when they always work? The formulas always work. You don't say here, we all know that the first American Revolution officially began in 1776 with the Declaration of Independence, less well known as the fact that the single strongest motivating factor for revolution was the colonists' attempt to free themselves from the Bank of England. But how many of you know about the second revolution referred by historians as Shays' Rebellion? It took place in 86 to 87, and once again the banks were the cause. This time they were putting the screws to American farmers. That's as early as the 1700s late 1700s. Daniel Shays was a farmer in western Massachusetts. Like many other farmers of the day, he was being driven into bankruptcy by the bank's predatory lending practices. Sound familiar? And I'll read the rest of this when I come back from this break. Even with the Bogomils, 
which were all the same sort. They're all Gnostic groups that definitely seem to spring out of the Middle East. Uh, we know that um, even the Samaritans groups were uh, a Jewish sect, but within them there was an, a, there were a, a real Gnostic group, and the Gnostics believe in a, a form of dualism, two gods, basically, good and evil gods, both kind of, kind of equal. Um, and this, is what, this, again, broke out in the Middle Ages, the exact same religion, which meant it must have existed down through the centuries into the Middle Ages, when you had the Cathars, Albigensi, and Bogomils, different names for the same groups, it just depends where they were situated. And um, we also know the different ones that came out of them, they moved in. Uh, the, the Frankists were another group that came out of the Bogomils, and uh, they moved in to, to, to different parts of Europe. And eventually, they even went into the Catholic Church with about a million followers. But they still stuck to their own particular. And in the Frankists, um, uh, it's a genetic line. Uh, it's explained in the history of them, where, where, the, where Frank's daughter became like a goddess because they were perfecti. And those who were allowed to mate with the daughter um, and have offspring, uh, the children were also uh, looked upon as the, the ultimate. They were actually gods. Uh, this is general history, so you, you'll find it in general history if you look. For the for the American uh, Americans out there uh, listening, uh, you know, I uh, I think this story that came out of Georgia, uh, Congressman Paul Brown uh, telling his constituents that uh, uh, the Obama administration was chomping at the bit to uh, uh, to uh, uh, implement martial law in response to either a pandemic or a uh, uh, natural disaster. I would use that uh, uh, for op-ed pieces, use that as a, uh, a springboard to setting up a town hall meeting and to talking about the, the wider conspiracy and point out that this uh, health care reform debate is just a smokescreen. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Just it, so it they wouldn't have to... Yeah. yeah, you've got the Pentagon trying to get uh, hundreds of thousands of troops on the street. Oh, yeah. Okay. They've, already, they've had that mainstream, and that's the point. The public are oblivious to what's really happening. But thanks for calling. And, Lucretia, I'll get to you maybe this week, too, maybe tomorrow to call back. From Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.